When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take yeffy balls. What up, Lisa? Yeti yep, yeti yep, yeti yep. <laughs> so what I missed something while I was gone. Apparently Skeets said that on YouTube. Yeti yep, yeti yep, yeti yep. And then JT Gunn. He was trying to figure out because Google was like, do you want me to translate this gibberish? <laughs> yes, translate Skeets for us, please. <laughs> Good luck, Google. You've tried many times and you've never gotten it right. Nobody has. more advanced than that AI. That's right. And speaking of JT Gunn, dude, newest patron. Woohoo! He signed up. I know. Woohoo, indeed. He signed up to be a patron after I was on his YouTube show last night. And by the way, thank you so much for showing up to that. I made my husband watch it. Oh, what do you think? Actually, he wasn't watching it too much. He was in bed next to me and he had his headphones on. But I poked him a few times. Well, I mean, that's something. Because it said something about, you know, you've been trying to grow your beard for three years. And JT said that he's had his beard since he was three. And I looked over at my husband and I was like, you've had your beard since 3 p.m. Because he grows Uh, hair very fast. We were talking about some hot beard talk and you didn't want to come be a part, huh? I got nothing to add to that particular conversation. Gotcha. Or at least nothing I want to add. Either way, it was super rad that like you and the 8750 crew came out to watch me on JT Gunn's YouTube channel. And kudos on not having a whole bunch of flying bugs attracted to your light. Oh, yeah. I live in Colorado. Yeah. Um, We don't don't have have that many bugs here. Right. Yeah. You live in Texas. So if you were to record outside at Mm -hmm. night using a uh, a floodlight, yeah, you'd be swarmed. I would be in like a beekeeper's outfit. At night with a fly swatter and probably a can of wasp spray. Right. But up here, like we had maybe 15 Miller moths this year because it was a super cold year. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not too many bugs, man. I was uh, I was I was living right. Although you did hear now, he said at the very beginning, you could hear something screaming behind me. Just like, I can't I, could I can't not I, hear it. You can. I, I rewatched his episode or I rewatched the episode on his YouTube channel. You can most definitely hear happening in the background it was not noticeable to me at the time oh you uh we'll go back and listen to the replay going and my fan going because it's hot all right and i want you to know i have turned the fan off just for you for right now oh lisa and i turned on airplane mode on my phone you don't know how much that means to me that you're willing to have a sweaty mouse just for yuffie boy Anyway, listen to the replay and turn your goddamn air conditioning off. Turn your ceiling fan off and listen. And you can hear in the background. It's so weird. So if I heard that at my house, I would assume coyotes because they like to run up and down the creek, especially at night. It wasn't it wasn't a canine noise. It was a. okay. that would not be a canine noise. We did have. I hesitate to say a mountain lion because we don't actually have mountains, but that's pretty much what it is, like a cougar or something like that. Yeah, but, cougar. Uh, you guys have cougars. I played Red Dead Redemption. I know you that you guys have cougars. Now, I did once hear something got a hold of a live cast, and we got to listen to that thing being torn apart. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's that pretty good. sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was interesting because JT Gunn likes to talk about Sasquatch and yetis and all that kind of stuff and then as we're recording i have something screaming in these here mountains and he's like i can't hear it i don't know weird and he was just so ready to move past it and i was like jd that's not what a bigfoot sounds like how do you know (laughs) what the fuck what do you mean no he's an expert right oh so he okay i get you so i thought that you were saying he wasn't interested because he would only be interested in a Bigfoot noise. And I was like, how, who, how are you, who are you to say what a Bigfoot sounds like? But now I understand that 
Yeah, you were saying that. Okay, I got lost in my head. I'm sorry. Okay, I I haven't had enough coffee today. We had mommy and me group. I had to go to mommy and me group. I had fun. What color was the hostess's hair? It's still the same. <laughs> it's, it's I forgot like what that. it was last time. It's like a shiny green with a blue mixed into it, but it's been it's so, been fading. So now it so, just looks like she's been to the pool a lot. Ah, so it started out looking like a gas station puddle. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it did. <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. A gas station puddle. And now it just looks like somebody who used to have dyed hair has been on the swim team for a month. Okay. Yeah. It's going great. So, hey, Lisa, I'll tell you this. We are going to be calling these things podumentary. Okay. That's what we're going to be calling these. And I'll tell you what, the one that we did about, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Uh, our father. Dude, 50 plays. 50 plays. And they weren't all me. Yeah. Are, how much of 8750 are you playing down there in Texas? Um, I just add as many to the queue as I can. And actually, I need to pause that for a little bit so it doesn't eat up my bandwidth while we're doing this. Because, okay, so dear listener, what we're talking about is now Yeffy Balls, he runs himself an ad on here. You probably heard it for Anchor. And I get a penny each time someone clicks and plays the podcast. So if you don't want so let's say you don't want to become a patron, but you do want to support my Yeti dream of making this a career and being a full-time podcaster, well then here's what you could do. Just hit play on on the episodes, man. Just line them up in a queue and just let that shit play. Like if if you're out of town, let's say, and you don't want somebody to break into your house, well, let me screaming at Kelsey about her fan keep the robbers away. That won't attract the cops at all. Nah. Let me entertain your dog while you're out. You know, or your cat. I don't care. I'll entertain your fish. But anyway, so I the numbers for 8750 have been exploding lately. It's ridiculous. I was going to show you guys a picture in the discord. It's like uh, when the podcast first started, it's like a little wave of ups and downs. And then it kind of goes down after Reed left. And then it comes back up and it's stronger and ups and downs. And that's when like the Cody era and then Cody left. And I was kind of like about the podcast for a week or two and then it went down and now it's just like a fucking wall (laughs) it just goes the line of place just goes straight up would that be about the time that you added the anchor ad yeah okay well i assume (laughs) that i hold on i assume that a lot of them are you but i think that some of them are legit because we all remember texas was tied with Wisconsin and Georgia at 8%. Now Texas is at 11%. <laughs> so I think a lot of that is you. But let's not forget, we also have Beard of Liberty. Beard, like he lives in Texas. He's a fan of the pod. He's listening now. We have Kelsey Balls' sister. She might be listening now. I'm just saying that like a lot yeah. of it's probably you. But some of it might be natural growth. And that's what they used to call me back in college, by the way. All natural. Natural growth, well, baby. If I can play a two-hour episode in 40 minutes, eh, it, like, surely, uh, it's, surely it's not all me, especially because I went through and did a bunch of older episodes to kind of even it out. But Yeah, and like the new episodes are getting a lot of plays. That's the thing. Like our, okay. doc, our podumentary, and by the way, dear listener, we will get to talking about our next documentary. We'll get there soon enough. Um, that's already got 50 plays. The oh, the She Hulk reviews are going crazy. The one that I titled The Jolly Green Bitch has got 80 plays. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So I just need to come up with sexist and mean sounding titles. <laughs> there you go. And that's all you gotta do. We'll start a list. We'll start a list, but that's not what we're here to talk about. What we are here to talk about is our next documentary that we watched. Mm-hmm. Which is Three Identical Strangers, available on Hulu. That is the most important part, is to say where you can go watch this. Because I, the next one we want to do is the Army Hammer one. Mm-hmm. And I was told by a podcast I listened to that that shit's on Hulu. And that's why I told you it's on Hulu. It's not on Hulu. I thought it was on Hulu, too, because I was flipping through documentaries to watch on Hulu, and I swear I saw that. It's called The House Maybe. of Hammer, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But maybe there's another one that, I, I don't know. I'll have to figure out why we both thought that it was on Hulu. I thought it because I was told by Gina Grad on the Adam Carolla show that it's on Hulu. <laughs> she was wrong. I came to that conclusion on my own, but apparently I was wrong too. 
but, but that's the next one that we're going to watch. But that's not the one that we watched. So on Hulu, we watched three identical strangers. Yep. And you took 10 pages of notes. Yeah. Where do we start? All right. So, so baby Yeti is not quite two. So she doesn't really play pretend yet. But my daughter, um, I had to warn my kindergarten teachers that, um, Uh oh, your your screen went black, Lisa. That's your screen. Gonna, it went black. It All went right. black. Yes. So I had to warn my daughter's kindergarten teachers. If you listen to the make believe that she comes up with, you would think that I do nothing but watch soap operas all day, which is not true. So I really don't know where she comes up with this stuff. But with her Anna and Elsa dolls, she would always pretend that they were long lost sisters that they never knew existed. So th- this is like a, a big, a big trope. Yeah. So, um, so the story starts off with a guy named Bobby in 1980 and he's 19 years old and he's driving up to college for the very first time. In his and, car that is a Volvo that is kind of like a uh-huh. maroon red, it's old as shit. And the hood has been replaced with a green hood. It's uh-huh. a, he said it had like 130,000 miles on it and it was referred to lovingly as the old the bitch. Old bitch. Yep. <laughs> That's a great name but for a car. It got him to where he needed to go. He's like, the old bitch got me there. Yep. So he gets to college and like as soon as he gets out of the car, people are like, Hey, how are you? How was your summer? And he's like, Um, fine. And you? And everybody's acting like they know him. And girls walk up and kiss him right on the lips. And he's never met these girls before. Yeah. And he's like, he's I like, was never this popular. He's like, yeah, this school is rad. Like, they're super welcoming to new people. Everybody's acting as if I'm like, I've gone here or something. Like, everybody acts like they know oh me God. already. This is so great. Yes. And at some point, somebody says, hey, Eddie, how you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm not Eddie. And the guy just laughs. He thought it was a joke. And he gets to his dorm room. And he's, like, trying to unpack and get settled in. And he hears a knock at the door. <laughs> nice. And, yes, I don't even have a soundboard. I don't have a knock, though. <laughs> this guy, he opens up the door, and I have ravens. That is a really weird knock. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's a secret knock. So he opens the door, and this guy, his his eyes just open up like saucers, and he goes, "Eddie." And he's like, "No, I'm Bobby." And this guy says, "Are you adopted?" And Bobby says. Uh- Yes, I am. And well, no, and he was like, wait a minute, is your birthday like whatever? July twelfth. Yeah, July twelfth. And he's like, How the fuck did you know that my birthday is July twelfth? And he's like, Bro, were you adopted? And he's like, You're a twin. Yeah. And he's like, What? So they run over to a payphone, which hey, dear listener. L Devlin. So there are these things called payphones (laughs) back in the day, right? So what it was is like a public phone. They'd be at like gas stations and grocery stores. It was so weird. You'd always walk germs on them. Yeah, you'd always walk by and you'd check the little coin return because you'd use coins. And I, I, you probably don't know what coins are. Coins is a monetary piece of metal. And you would they're check round. the little, yeah, they're circular in nature. No, 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 not Bitcoin. And you would check that little slot to see if there's a coin in there. And every now and then you might find a penny or it'd just be really wet in there. And then you'd know it was urine. Mmm, yay. So they are trying to call Eddie. And the friend is more nervous than Bobby is because I, I don't think Bobby realizes the scope of what's going on. And they finally get through to Eddie and the friend says, Eddie, I met your twin. And Eddie's like, yeah, I've been getting some weird phone calls today. So apparently yeah. people were seeing Bobby on campus. They're like, Eddie, why didn't you say hi to me? But how are you here and not there? Blah, blah, blah. Because what had happened was is Eddie went to that this is so weird he went to a community college for a year and then decided not to go back like if you flunk out of community college like damn dude (laughs) here's the thing bobby lived like 100 miles away from this community college i'm like why did he pick that one i know and and then they they drive to eddie's house and eddie lives like 100 miles away in a different direction from this community college why are they picking this community college exactly dude the community college i went to was practically in my backyard and the reason yeah. i went there is because i was such a drunk my first couple of years of college i was put on academic probation 
And I was like, they so they said that I needed to meet with a counselor and come up with like a study plan and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to switch schools. So I just switched over to a, the community college where they didn't give a fuck. They were like, hey, we're so happy to have you. You yes. can put your pants on. And <laughs> that, that puts you leaps and bounds ahead of our normal students. So, oh, my God, you're going to raise the entire school's GPA three points. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. So I went there and I got sober during this time. And next thing you know, I have like a straight 4.0 grade point average. And then I go back over to the school that put me on academic probation because it was a four year college. So I transferred over and they're like, yeah, bitch, you're still on academic probation. You can't just leave for two years and think that we <laughs> forgot. <laughs> you're... And I was like, look at all these A's. And they're like, yeah, but you got that at community college. Let me guess. They were impressed you could put your pants on straight. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I got a fellowship for that. <laughs> I got high fived for that by the professor. I went uh, to college too, but also because it was like twenty miles from my house, I could live yeah. at home the whole time, and it was free because they gave me a scholarship. So oh, that's that, right. That yeah, community colleges are underrated. I know we just got done shitting on them, but fuck yeah, community colleges—they're so cheap. You will get out of it what you put into it. Yeah, and that is how life tends to go. It was great. And plus, you weren't just stuck in there with a whole bunch of like other 19 year old boners. It was like a bunch of single moms and people taking night school. Dude, it was rad. The, the adults that were in those classes were the best students because they knew exactly why they were there. It wasn't just high school part two. Yeah, they should make a show about a community colleges and there should be like a badass in it named Jeff. That's what I think they, they should, should do. They should do that. They, they should, should do that. D &D. Yeah, they should and have a pillow fort. There anyway. you go. <laughs> so they get in the car and they drive like 100 miles an hour to go meet Eddie. To meet Eddie. And Eddie opens the door and I'm there is a picture of them standing there. And yes, they are indeed twins. And so they, they go down through the list, you know, January or July 12th or adopted. And they both came from an agency called Louise Wise Services in New York City. Yes. Yes, so. they did. A newspaper gets a hold of this and they run a story and some other newspapers pick up the story as well. And some of them run a picture and some of them don't. But there's this lady named Ellen and I'm not real clear on how Ellen knows anybody that I don't think they really specified. But um, if it's not I, in your 10 pages of notes, then yeah, it they is must not because I couldn't it. pick up on it. Maybe she is. David's sister I'm not sure but anyway so she reads the story and she comes home and her mom has read the story but it has a picture and she says is that David and yeah no it wasn't David but she's like look at the hands it wasn't just the face it was the hands that they have meatball they, hands big old yes. sausage fingers and and they've got the same expression and so they show it to David and he's real skeptical and he reads the article and he's like wait Louise Wise Services. And oh, oh July 12th. Yeah. Not so, only does that person look exactly like you, they're born on the same day and came from the same adoption agency. Like, mm -hmm. so he calls information and he gets um, Eddie's parents' information. And he tells them, um, so I was born on July 12th and I came from Louise Wise Services. And I'm looking at a picture of me in the paper. And who said Eddie's mom dropped the phone and she said, Oh my God, they're coming out of the woodwork. Could you imagine you just found out you had a twin that you never knew of. And now you're a triplet. You must be like, there could Where be four the of rest? us. There could be five of us. There could be eight. <laughs> yeah. Your own like Partridge family. <laughs> Dude, Partridge family, by the way, criminally under underrated. Hey, beard of Liberty. Check out some Partridge family, man. I don't think I have ever watched Partridge Family. Oh, I don't it, mean the show. The show's dog shit, but their music is good. David oh, Cassidy okay. rules, dude. Okay. All right. So all three of them meet at David's aunt's house. Sorry, Lisa. I do like okay. to see how distracting I can be. I'm not doing it on purpose, but I think of something. I'm telling you to watch Partridge Family, and then I realize that I just 8750 the shit out of that, which, by the way... <laughs> 8750ing something like you know when you get so off uh -huh. topic that you forget what you're talking about that's in the urban dictionary thanks to dwight dwight put it in there all right now can anybody add anything to urban dictionary 
Well, yeah, but like if okay. you rate it and give it a thumbs up and shit, then like it stays. But if you give it a thumbs down, then it goes. Like oh, I tried so I to add. To go rate it. Okay. Yeah, I tried to add that like my last name meant that you were a badass, and uh, Urban Dictionary was like, nah. No, not at all. Nah. <laughs> okay, so. So these three triplets all meet at David's aunt's house and she says they were rolling on the floor like puppies. So, okay, I guess that's what 19 year olds do when they meet each other. Newspaper runs a follow up with all three of the boys and Eddie's quoted as saying, I don't know if this will turn out to be great or terrible. So, oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, dear listener, this is when the documentary starts playing like I'm walking on sunshine and enjoy it. This is the happy part. (laughs) everything's going good yes so other newspapers pick this up and it goes national news they end up on donahue which i bet you l devlin has never heard of donahue um they went I can on to guarantee that because i don't know what donahue is still donahue it was uh like a uh predecessor of oprah uh, like I saw the clip, so I assumed yeah. it was just some daytime talk show bullshit. The guy with the white hair. That was yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so People Magazine, Time, the New York Times. And it, yeah. everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're all so alike. They all wrestled when they were kids. They had the same taste in cigarettes, alcohol, women. They're like older women specifically. And then uh-huh. the, the camera would cut to older women in the crowd being like, yay. Ooh. And they were like being all flirty with them. It was so weird. Uh-huh. Yep, there's fingers. Oh, and, and <laughs> Speaking shockingly, of each of them also had an adopted sister who was about two years older than him. Yeah, that came from the same adoption agency. They all had an older sister that was two years older. Peculiar, oh my goodness, yes? that is such a coincidence. Coincidence. Surely it's fate. Yeah. So they start talking about the households that each of the boys grew up in. Uh, David grew up in a blue-collar um, household. His parents were immigrants, and they spoke English as a second language. Um, Eddie grew up in a middle-class household. His dad was a teacher, and Bobby grew up in a sort of upper-class family. His dad was a doctor. His mom. So, I uh, realized that I have a fan going on inside the house, right? And so uh-huh. I reached back to close the sliding glass door behind me so that you wouldn't be able to detect it, even though I bet you couldn't even hear it, right? I didn't even know you had a fan going. Yeah, but I was like, you know what? That could be annoying if this is getting picked up. So I look behind me to try to shut the sliding glass door as I'm sitting in this chair because, like, I have my mic in front of me, so I'm, like, kind of locked in. (laughs) And my left hand grazed my phone screen, and I looked down at it, and I had just ended the recording. Ah, so it wasn't me. Woohoo! No, it wasn't you. (laughs) It was me. I'm sorry. But you were in the middle of talking about Phil Donahue. Uh, okay, so yeah, the boys went on the Donahue show, and, and everybody is just amazed at how alike they are. And they and, would play it up, too. They'd be like, yeah. oh, like, look at us. Like, they'd all wear the same clothes. They'd cross their legs the same. They Like, they were playing into it, because they were kind of getting famous off of this. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, even their family members said they had, like, the same expressions, the same mannerisms, just all, all kinds of stuff. So did we talk about uh, the kind of households that each kid grew up in? That they have an older sister that's about two years older and came from the, not about, is two years older and came from the same adoption agency. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, so David grew up in a blue collar household. Eddie grew up in a middle class. Bobby grew up in an upper class. And the boys just really lean into this, oh, we're so happy we found each other kind of thing. They aren't questioning the why or the how because they're 19. I don't know if you realize this, but 19-year-old boys are kind of stupid. Oh, what? You yeah. Think, you yeah. think that that's why military like recruitment offices hang out at high schools? Yes. <laughs> think that has something to do with it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My husband says Navy stands for never again volunteer yourself. Yeah. Yeah. He turned 18 in boot camp. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tell so, him I say thank you for your service, but listen to my podcast, goddammit. It's funny. He will say, uh, all right. He, he thinks it's weird when people thank him for that. Cause, uh, but anyway. That's, my buddies were the exact same way. Like I used to, when I was going through college, like I, we were just talking about going through college, like I went for law enforcement. And so a lot of the dudes in there were Marines and they ended up becoming my friends, like Ace Guy, former Marine and all that kind of stuff. 
And they were always like Veterans Day would come around and they'd be a little like, okay, we're good. I mean, my husband gets excited that he gets free food on Veterans Day. Yeah, but that's exciting. Other than that, that's nah, the geez. only time I've been to a Hooters esque restaurant called Twin Peaks. Oh, we have that in Dallas. Yeah, I've always been not, been there, but... not really chill about those type of restaurants. I think that they are very off putting that they just hire like young chicks and put them in like tight tank tops. And they're yeah, like, but yeah, basically go, wear your swimsuit to work. Go give wings to like horny guys. And I've always been like, I don't like this. But they're like, it's Veterans Day and we get free burgers. So you're coming with us. And I was like, I don't like this. And then up comes some like 20 year old chick who's like, oh my God, I'm like, hi, how are you doing? I'm like, you're not, you don't actually think we're cool. I hate fakeness, man. You don't like us. You just think we're some boners and you're hoping we tip you. So weird. Well, the, you're, she's not going to get a tip if she's not nice. That I mean, fair, but you know, I mean, she's being flirty. Like you know, the waitress at Chili's is nice. She's being flirty. Yeah, that's. It's not like she didn't know what she was signing up for. No, hold on. I think we got off track. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm uncomfortable when somebody's being flirty with me because they're doing it and they're being fake. Yeah. Well. And, anyway. There are some people that don't get flirted with at all, and they they aren't going to complain about it. Yeah, so, that's sad. Yeah. Can you hear uh, the wind at all? I heard some creaking. That's my umbrella. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm outside under the sun, so I have this big umbrella up. <laughs> <laughs> you are closer to the sun up there, so, okay. No, that's actually not what it is. Fun fact, dude, in the middle of our review, fun fact. It's not that we're one mile closer to the sun that makes it so that you can get bigger, badder sunburns like in Colorado or like when you're up on a mountain. What it is. The thinner atmosphere. You have a mile less shield. Yep. Having a mile less shield is the important part. That makes sense. All right, Lisa, I've just I've distracted you enough. Continue. Okay, so the boys, they're just happy they found each other and they don't really care about the how or the why. But the parents are like. Wait a minute. This doesn't seem right. So the parents were not told that there were two other boys. Obviously, otherwise, one of them would have mentioned it to their kid before. And apparently they were separated when they were six months old. And David and Bobby would apparently both bang their heads on their cribs as toddlers. Have you ever seen Baby Yeti do that? No. But no. it's not totally uncommon, right? And it's not it's not unheard of, but the, they both think that it was separation anxiety because I mean you've had somebody right next to you your entire life and then all of a sudden they're gone. That's yeah. kind of with you. Right. So then they're they're gonna tell us all about Louise Wise services. They had commercials or or at least a, a video to for prospective parents. So they were the premier adoption agency for Jewish families on the East Coast. And there's old footage of Justine Wise Polier, and I assume she was the daughter of Louise Wise, saying that they felt adoptive parents should know as much as is reasonable about a child's background. Yeah. You know, like I maybe think... that they have two brothers that could be important. Yeah, like identical brothers. That Right. Yeah. Yeah. That might fall under that category, sure. Possibly. So the parents, uh, they arrange a meeting with uh, the board of directors at Louise Wise. They want some answers. And they are told that the boys were separated to make it easier to place the boys. Now, when they said that in the documentary, I was like, that does make sense. I can't imagine too many people are like, I want to adopt triplets. So I, I was like, all right, it's fucked up that they didn't say anything. But like, I could see it. <laughs> Kind of, sort of. But then they immediately cut to um, David's father saying he would have taken all three in a heartbeat. Oh, that's easy to say after the fact, isn't it? Like, you can sound like the champion, but in the moment, I I don't know, man, three three kids? That's a lot. Well, and and I turned to my husband. I was like, you know, if I was in the market to adopt and they put this kid in front of me and said, okay, this is your kid. And oh, by the way, I'm not splitting up a set. Now, you can't tell me that there weren't anybody that had the means to take three boys. Yeah, fair. But at the very least, tell them. Oh, give, yeah. Give them the option. 
I'm not saying that splitting them up to make them easier to adopt is like the correct thing to do. I was like, well, that does make sense. I could see finding a home for three children to be a bit of a burden. So after the parents leave this meeting, it's raining and Bobby's dad has forgotten his umbrella. So he steps back into the room and the board of directors are cracking open a bottle of champagne and toasting each other. Yeah, there's like celebrating, is it? And they said yeah. in the documentary that like, as if they had gotten away with something. <gasps> I need a dun dun dun, don't I? Yes, you do. <laughs> so the parents are angry and they start checking with law firms because they want to sue. And every time they go to a new attorney's office, the attorneys are like, yeah, you've definitely got a case here. But then they get a call back in a couple of days. Yeah, we can't take this case because we have associates who are trying to adopt through Louise Wise, and that would be a conflict of interest for us. Right. So they're a huge, like the the predominant adoption agency in the New York area, right? And so For, for Jewish families, yes. And you know, it's funny. I'll tell you in a second. So anyway, if you wanted a kid, you're probably going through them. Like if you wanted to adopt a child, you're going through those people. And so they didn't want like their clientele to be blacklisted. They didn't want to be blacklisted. Like mm-hmm. that, they're like, well, if we wanted to ha- have a chance in an adoption, like we don't want, we don't want to upset these people. And what's really funny is so they were showing pictures of Luis Wise, I think. And they hadn't mentioned anything about Judaism this entire documentary. And I looked at Mrs. Yeti and I was like, these look like some Jews right here. And now I can say that because I am Jewish. And right after I said that, they were like, yeah, they're like a huge Jewish adoption agency. And I was like, oh, shit, fucking called it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I-, I used to say about my husband's grandparents, because um, anytime I would watch a movie that included um, – or it was about the Holocaust. And then they would have um, videos with um, interviews of survivors that were older. Yeah. I would always tell my husband, your grandpa would fit right in with those, but your grandma would stick out like a sore thumb. Is his grandpa Jewish? We are pretty certain based off of last name. And then my husband's cousin honeymooned in Prague and did some research. And, uh, and yeah. Is he going <laughs> to do a 23 and me? Oh, he passed away. About oh, three your years husband. Ago. Oh, I sincerely doubt it. Oh, we are worried about China cloning you. Yes. Yes. Oh, you'll exactly. be fine. Don't worry about it. We got enough beard hair around here. We don't need a clone generating more. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I found it. So my entire family know the word Judaism has never been spoken ever, ever, ever. I do 23 and me. Mm-hmm. Find out I'm 50, no, 48.8% Jewish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And so then I call my parents and they're like, that doesn't sound right. And so we're, I'm trying to figure out, like, is one of my parents Jewish? Are they both Jewish? Uh, nobody wants to take a test, especially on my mom's side, which leads me to believe it's probably from my mom's side. Um, and so we were looking at old pictures, like from when they moved from Pennsylvania to Colorado. And it was like, yeah, this looks like a bunch of Jewish folk right here. And then so my cousin on my dad's side took a 23 and me and zero Ashkenazi Jewish in him. So that means a hundred percent came from my mom. Yep. Which is wild. Finding a hundred percent Ashkenazi Jewish woman. That's insane. Cause you're only Jewish if you come from a Jewish mom. So. Yep. Apparently that's how it works. Genealogy would say different, but their, their faith believes you got to be a Jewish ma'am. Yes. Yes. To be, uh, for the on the religious side, yeah, your mom, or you got to convert. Yeah, so that means I'm in the tribe, bitch. Woo! There you go. Do you get a prize for that? Yeah, it's a satchel of gold. Woohoo! <laughs> Wait, I thought that was leprechauns. It's both. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of crossover between leprechaun. Jews and leprechauns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh, yeah, that's getting downvoted right there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's funny. My people could take a joke, all right? That's all I'm saying. I hope they can. Fuck yeah, keep going. They can, they can the leprechauns. Nah, dude, leprechauns are notoriously uptight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry mm-hmm. about the umbrella creaking, guys. I'm not going to bake in the sun, so the umbrella must be up. And it's a little breezy. Anyway, Lisa, I've distracted you long enough. So you've got these boys that 
their parents are trying to file a lawsuit, but they are running around New York City being single young men. They're I'm going to on sunshine. Yes. Walking they wind up in a Madonna movie. On sunshine. I don't think Madonna was famous quite yet. I think this was like her big movie break. But yeah. Um they keep showing up in uh in magazines and whatnot and David's mom threw the New York Post at him and said, I gotta read the paper to find out where you were last night. I gotta read the paper. You gotta add some of that uh that Hebrew on there. Yeah, that was Mrs. Wallowitz. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta read the paper to find out where my son is. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so young men tend to meet young girls, or in their case, slightly older girls, and they start getting married. So uh, Bobby marries Eileen, Jan- or David marries Janet, and Eddie marries Brenda. And as they described them, Bobby was the most reserved of the three, uh, David was pretty moderate, and then Eddie was the warm, outgoing, bouncy one. And you start noticing something's amiss because they are interviewing David, mm-hmm. and they are interviewing, what was the other one? Bobby. They are interviewing David and Bobby as adults, like right now, modern day. Mm -hmm. Eddie has not shown up. So like something's up. Or has he because they're identical. They look kind of different as they got older. They looked a lot more alike when they were kids. Yeah, I think that just has to do with the weight. Yeah, one of them was a little chubby. The chubbier one looked exactly like my grandpa, though. Fucking weird. The Jewish one? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Now you know. Now you know. So one of Eddie's friends said that Eddie was the one who got the most out of the three meeting. Um, Apparently he didn't ever feel like he really blended in with his family very well. So the boys do what adoptees do. They decide they want to track down their birth mother and New York city library makes those uh, makes birth certificates, public record. So they go spend an afternoon looking through the stacks and they find a woman who gave birth to three males on the same day in New York City. Well, yeah. th- mm, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes here. Yeah, that's so probably they track her down. And it's not a glamorous story. It was like a prom night knockup. And you know how 20, 21 year old guys can drink a whole lot and, you know, they just keep on going. Yeah. Um, so could this lady, apparently. And they're like, well, that's a little bit concerning, but they they weren't ever, they didn't ever get particularly close to their moms, so I don't think anything else ever came of that. But you know, to be a forty-something-year-old woman and be able to keep up with them, well, that's yeah, because they were huge party dudes at this point, because they were yeah. semi-famous for being triplets. They had their own apartment all together. They were throwing ragers all the time. They said uh-huh. that the liquor store even delivered to their apartment. Now, El Devlin. That used to not be a thing. You used to have to like get in the car and go drive to get your booze. I know it's just delivered to you now. But back yeah. in the day, back in my day, you'd get you'd hit up the payphone on your way to the liquor store. And so this old lady, their mom, is like pounding beer for beer with them and getting rip shit. So that's not a good sign that mom is yeah. uh, basically an alcoholic. Yep. So they go into business together and they open a restaurant. And what do What's they call it? it? The triplets. Triplets. And it's basically a party every night. And honestly, it looks like a kind of place I would not want to go to dinner to because it would just be really loud. I get annoyed at Texas Roadhouse when they start line dancing in the aisles. Yeah, but it, it's a bit much. It's like, yeah. Shut the fuck up and give me shitty ribs. Come on. <laughs> oh, I don't even get the Just give me the rolls. Three more rolls. Man, me and Mrs. <laughs> Yeti one time, because there's a Texas Roadhouse by where we used to live, and we would smell it all the time, just like the barbecue wafting over. It was like, dude, one of these days, we got to hit up Texas Roadhouse and get some barbecue. And we had been building this up in our mind forever. We get there, and we were so underwhelmed. It was disappointment city. Yeah, d- don't get the barbecue there. Get a steak. Yeah, it was not great. Like, no, no good, no good. Now, their, their bread and the butter that goes on it is really, really great. This my son podcast brought to you by Texas Roadhouse. Hint, hint. It ain't great, but it's there. <laughs> my son loves it. <laughs> the bread is yeah. decent. Yes. No, the bread is good. So we cut to a researcher named Lawrence Wright, and he was studying identical twins who were reared apart. 
And so, of course, he stumbles onto the story of, of these triplets. And he comes across this obscure article called The Psychoanalytic Study of the Child. And this article references a secret study in which identical siblings were separated for the purpose of the scientific experiment. And all the babies came from one unnamed agency in New York City. Hmm. He, he contacts Bobby. And Bobby's response? This is some Nazi shit. Yeah, they was... So, yeah, basically, what, what university was it? Uh, I don't know what university... I think it was Yale. Oh, the, the one that has the archives? Yeah. Yes, it's Yale. So... I think they were the ones sponsoring this study too, right? Um, given that they came to be in possession of the... Seems likely. It seems like they had something to do with it. Like a, a parent foundation of a parent foundation of a parent foundation. Something yeah. So there was a study that started in like the 50s, 60s, 70s. And these kids were born in the 70s. That they would intentionally take kids that were up for adoption and give them to separate parents and then study them. And then this is when the documentary, like Bobby starts being like, yeah, dude, there are these people that would come when I was a kid and they'd like ask me questions about my bike and they'd like follow me around a little bit and see what I was doing and what I was interested in and all that kind of stuff. Turns out these poor bastards were a part of a study that they did not like consent to or anything like that. The parents had no idea about it. Well, they knew that there was a study because otherwise, why do these people keep coming to the house every year? But they told them that all of the children that are adopted in this time period through the agency are enrolled in a study about the development of the adopted child. Yeah. So they said, so, yeah, they didn't tell them that they had uh, identical twins right. miles apart. But yeah. that means but, these researchers, these bastards would go out, talk to this kid, be like, hey, let me see your bike. Ah, dope, dude. You got any uh, interest? Neat. And then they get in the car, drive a half hour to go see an identical kid. And go through the same stuff. Like, you got a bike? You like green? What do you think about dogs? You like cats? <laughs> you into older women? And these kids are like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's where they introduced the idea. Some researcher contaminated them with a cougar. Yeah. They all had a crush on one researcher, I bet. Yeah, the one researcher was a fox. <laughs> And they did interview. So the main doctor that was behind this study, he had passed away, but he had like a, a research assistant. It was this lady. Mm -hmm. She's an old bitty now. And I oh, thought no, it was. She, well, what? she was just a research assistant. She wasn't the lead researcher. No, I know. The re lead okay. researcher, he died. This is his yes. assistant. Yes. And she was very, very eager to say, I wasn't part of this. Right. I just heard them talking about it while they were like setting it up. Yeah, I didn't and, participate in this cruel bullshit. And then she no, was like, hey, also, uh -huh. I met Michelle Obama. Want to see the picture? Look how tall she is. I was really yeah. small compared to Michelle Obama. I met Barack Obama. He kissed me on this cheek. It was the most right. magical moment I've ever had. And I was like, why did they keep that in the documentary? That's so weird. <laughs> she was just like gushing about the Obamas for a little bit. And like mm -hmm. she met him and like they thought mm -hmm. she was so great. And she was like... Mm -hmm one of the head researchers of her time and what an accomplishment for women everywhere. Mm -hmm. And also she did this insanely fucked up study. <laughs> yes, but she moved to Switzerland in 1965. So she's involved. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. She moved to Switzerland, yeah. so she's good. Yeah. So the doctor was uh, Peter Neubauer and he was an Austrian refugee from the Holocaust. So I guess that's how he got in good with the Jewish adoption agency. That's because Jew you know, on Jew crime, and I won't stand for it. If a German had suggested it, I think it would have been shot down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they know for sure that there were at least six to eight sets of twins. But the real number is unknown because the study was never published. Because that's and the other thing. The documentary points out that there were a couple other like twin sets because triplets are pretty fucking rare. But there yes. were a couple other twin sets that were being found and they were going on Maury Polvich and like Dr. <laughs> Phil type shows being like, yeah, we had no idea. And then all of a sudden, like we heard yep. that we were adopted. So I searched and searched and then wouldn't you know it? I have a twin and look, we fold our arms the same. Weird, right? Yeah, there's these two named Paula and Elise and they're being interviewed on what looks like an MTV show. Right. So um, Paula says she got a letter from the adoption agency and it's like, surprise, you have a twin. 
and your twin's looking for you. And the other one asked, why were we separated at birth? And she was specifically told it was because it was for a twin study. Yeah. So at some point, the Louise Wise agency has decided, well, we better be forthcoming with that part at least. Right. They owned up to that. Could you imagine taking these two twins or triplets that are together all day, all night, together in the crib, together hanging out for six months, and then you split them all up? No, I cannot. So fucked up. Yep. So the assistant researcher is Natasha Josipowitz. And she said she first heard about it when it was still just an idea. And apparently nobody said, hey, this is a bad idea. But they just went ahead with it. She's like, you got to understand, back in the 50s and 60s, that wasn't a big deal to splitting up kids. Who cares, man? They're getting an adopted family. It's fine. So the idea was what would happen if you put identical kids in totally different environments? To, well, so the, to triplets, study. the triplets were suspecting that they were trying to fit that the study was actually about if mental illness is inherited, because a lot of these mothers that had their kids uh, sent to the adoption agency, they all had mental illness. Now, that turned out to not really be true. Well, I, OK, so. Yes, a lot of the biological parents did have issues. And my thought was, how many Jewish mothers who are mentally ill give birth to identical twins and triplets? That's a very particular subset. Yeah. So, uh, like, you can't really depend on on having subjects to study. But um, I would assume that there's a slight correlation between a mom that gives her kid up to adoption and that person having mental illness. I think that that's more the correlation. I don't think that that's what the researchers were studying. But I think that, like, if you give your kid up for adoption, you might have some other shit going on. Possibly. Or you're just 18 and overwhelmed at the idea of twins and triplets. True. But, like, think of all the 18-year-olds out there who are banging around and not putting their kids up for adoption. Because they have familiar uh, enough familial support to keep them. Yeah, that's why I'm saying mental illness might play into this. Because if you're mentally ill, you might not have familial support because they're like, you got to get out of the house because you're mentally ill free. too. Could be, but yeah, I don't, that's just because I watch. You ever see Freakonomics? I did. Oh, yes. Freakonomics rules, but it uh-huh. really points out how it's like a lot of times things seem like, oh, they were trying to see if mental illness is a nature or nurture thing. So they took these kids from mentally ill women and they gave them to different parents to see if those kids turned out to be mentally ill. And if they did not become mentally ill, then maybe mentally ill mental illness is learned. It's a learned behavior. And it's like, or maybe just women who put their kids up for adoption might be statistically higher likely to be mentally ill. That's all. This is possible. That's all I'm saying. It's just, just throwing it out there. So, this lady says that the data that she heard said that it seemed like it was way more hereditary than anybody ever thought. And they didn't like those results all that much because it kind of blows free will out of the water. Well, that your personality. Yes, your personality and your, and your traits. So she doesn't know why the study wasn't published because, like I said, she blew out of town in 1965. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> And so they talk about um, the strange things that they have in common. And Bobby's like, it's really weird to come up with what you think is a unique idea. And when you tell somebody about it, then they're like, oh, yeah, your brother just told me that same idea. Right. So these three brothers are in business together. And I can tell you from uh, personal experience, being in business with your family is not always a good idea. And in this case, it really messed up their relationship. Yeah, they started getting in fights. Well, one thing that was specifically mentioned was differing work ethics. And they kind of glossed over that. They didn't mention it again. But that's one of those learned things. So Bobby ends up leaving the business. And Eddie, who was the one who was so excited that everybody had found each other, um, he took that really, really hard. And he started calling people at weird hours, even though he hadn't talked to them in 10 years. And they're all talking about this in retrospect. They're like, yeah, that was a big sign. If we have a falling out, Lisa, I look forward to calling you at strange hours. 
my phone is on do not disturb during well, you will wake up to some skeets-esque messages of me just <laughs> rambling some nonsense at 3 a.m so enjoy that <laughs> okay so um david was told that eddie needed to be in a psych ward so apparently he went off to the psych ward for a little bit and apparently bobby and david were all three of them were all under psychiatric care as teenagers and had yeah. some really dysfunctional teenage years which in and of itself is not unusual but when all three of them who are identical yeah and come to find out a lot of the people who were in this twin study also had mental illness uh, Paula and Elise both said that they suffered from depression their biological right. mother is schizophrenic and was in and out of institutions and they they also found out that um, several of the birth parents had mental health problems and the adoptive parents were never told. That's but, one of those things that might be reasonable to know about a child's background. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but again, it's so like the twins kind of or the triplets kind of think that maybe they were trying to look into mental illness and if that's a learned behavior or not. But then one of the re only one researcher who was the guy. The guy mm -hmm. who would go to the triplet's house and then yeah. ask him questions, then get in the car and go to the brother's house. He uh -huh. agreed to be in the documentary. And he's like, no, no, no. What We were just trying to see if like different parenting styles affected uh -huh. the way that you grow up. That's all that we were after. And so you ask yourself, well, how would they know what the parenting styles of these three different families would be? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember how all of the triplets had in their home a, an adopted sister who was two years older? Yeah, uh -huh. the adoption agent come from the adoption. The Le Louise, White, what was it? Louise Wise, Louise Wise. So that's this adoption agency gave out like not gave out, but you know, what I mean, allowed these kids to be adopted and then tracked their parents and their parenting style to know which families to give the triplets or twin sets to to make which sure they means, all had different styles of parenting. How many families were they setting up? to be potential participants in this. Could you imagine learning that you have a triplet and that you were separated on purpose and that your sister who you've known your entire life and like you love to death, like that's your family, was all just a part of an experiment. Your whole life was just set up by some dicks. You know, Eddie didn't handle that very well. No, he did not. If he do didn't show up to work one day. Do you want to break the news to dear listener? David called his wife to ask him to look out the front door and see if Eddie's car was in the driveway because they lived across the street from each other. She said, yeah, it is. You want me to go check on him? Yeah. She calls David back. You got to come home. And there were cop cars. And the police would not let David into the house because they said, you don't need to see him like this. Eddie had shot himself. Yeah. He that was sad. did the game of life. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I thought this documentary was going to be like, oh, can you believe that these twins like found each or these triplets found each other later in life? That's crazy. And then it's like it just got darker and darker <laughs> and darker. And then they're like, oh, and then like Eddie killed himself. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, this oh, is man. such a this is so sad. OK, so David is pretty sure that there was more than one suicide among the subjects of the twin study. And. Back to Lawrence Wright, the researcher, he spoke to Neubauer before his death, and he didn't really want to talk about the study because it wasn't published yet. And he said that he planned to publish in about a year and a half. And he said that the primary support was private family foundations. So the funding sources are unclear. And when Neubauer died, he left all of the data in a sealed archive at Yale University. Which cannot be open till 2065. Something like that. And in order to get access, you have to have written authorization from the Jewish Board of Family Services, which is the parent organization of Neubauer Center. I would assume that this is also somehow related to Louise Wise, because how else are they going to get that information? And so then it was David, right? David starts calling and going on the Internet, trying to figure out like who like I was in this study. Can I not get written permission to do this? And everybody he talks to is like, I have no idea who you everybody's I... like, I don't I don't. And I don't even think that they were doing that to like throw him off the scent or anything like that. I, he's yeah. calling people who are like, I don't know. 
like I I've only been working here for five years. I have no idea what the what that even is. Like I'll try talking to my boss, but I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Then it did know it did mention at the end that he since recording ended that he got ten thousand pages released. Uh-huh. They also it's said it was heavily redacted. Yeah, they said it was heavily heavily redacted, but I think that that's probably just personal identifying information of other people in the study. I'll bet you he yes. got a lot of information about what they were actually after, but they didn't really get into it. Well, and the reason it's redacted is because, including according to Lawrence Perlman, who was the researcher you talked about before, there are uh, individuals in the study who don't yet know that they are a twin and don't know that they were part of this study. Right. So... At, at what point do you like barge in there and hit them with the horrible information that you have that you had to go through and knowing that there's a good chance there's some mental instability here or do you just leave them alone and let them live their life? These are the tough questions. It's exactly like our father, our father, you know, Jacoba was out there telling these people like, Hey, by the way, your dad that you think is your dad, Nah, your mom was actually artificially inseminated with uh, this dickhead sperm. Sorry to ruin your life. But in that case, you live within a very close proximity to 94 other siblings. There's a whole lot of DNA mixing that could go on there. People need to know that. Potentially. I, I mean, would you rather find out before or after you have a baby with your sibling? (laughs) <laughs> hmm. <laughs> let's go with after okay well I you did you <laughs> yeah i get what you're saying um yeah it's just one of the, but like you're also completely ruining somebody's life i don't know man i don't know it's so bizarre to fuck with people to such a degree that you even have to ask these questions mm-hmm and Perlman says that there was never a mention of the mental health of the biological parents in the study. So they didn't know if the child they were looking at had uh, had that in their background. And he reads off um, his notes about one particular child, and he never names it. And he says this child has a desire to establish personal autonomy expressed through hyperaggression, showing off intelligence and strength. Oh, I thought he was reading his notes about one of the triplets. I don't know if it was about a triplet or a twin, but it was somebody in that study. Oh, okay. And he said the parents were unaware of exactly what the child was doing, and so they weren't doing anything about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're totally out of touch with this kid, and this kid's in trouble. Yeah. And he's like, well, can't can't interfere with the study, so I'll just t- I'll just write it in my notebook and not say anything. Yeah, that like your kid's acting up, and you are not doing a good job as parents, at, like paying attention to his needs. So you might want to work on that. And he's just like, well, jot it in my notes and bye bye. Yeah, yeah, dude, psychology's so, fucking weird. Yeah, so he says um, that they were looking at the differences in parenting and how that would affect the child's development, and of course. Right, like, well, they couldn't know how the parents that interact, and then the the drop the big bombshell about the sisters, but they had already mentioned the sisters, but they go back to that, right? And at this point, I was I'm sitting there wondering, okay, are they waiting for families that have already adopted to come to them, or are they contacting these families that have already adopted and saying? Hey, you've adopted from us before, and we have a repeat customer discount. Would you like a little boy now? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> you get a buy one, get one. <laughs> <laughs> buy one, get two. Hey, you want a kid? You want a kid? Yeah. Want another <laughs> one? Doing good with that first one. We've got uh, overstock from the warehouse. <laughs> These Jews won't stop banging. <laughs> so they Jewish children, Bob- yep. Jewish children, yep. So they interview Bobby's stepmother. And she says that the three families were very different in terms of their parenting. It wasn't just their socioeconomics. Um, said David's father was very proud of him. Or, and he was like anything about his son, he wanted to show him off. He was very involved. Yeah. They said that uh, Bobby's father was a doctor. So he didn't have a whole lot of time to be super involved. 
But what time he did have, he was very devoted to his son. Yeah, good parent, but he was just busy with work quite a bit. Yes, I mean, as he would expect a doctor to be. Yeah. And Eddie's father, who was a teacher, was the most traditional. He was very authoritarian. Yeah, he was an authoritarian, militaristic teacher. Hmm? What? Which? Yeah. I guess, dude. Teachers. Yeah, teachers are different today than they used to be. Yeah. Hale Devlin. So yeah, teachers used to be hard asses, right? They would bust your nuts if you were fucking around. Now you can call them their first name. You like know what they order at Starbucks. It's a different time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So as much as they were playing up in the beginning of the documentary that like these twins were the same, they had the same mannerisms and all that kind of stuff. What they didn't go into, especially on these Maury daytime TV shows, was that nah, all the triplets were actually like deeply different people deep down. And yeah, they had some like superficial similarities, but uh, they were all drastically different people. Yeah. And Bobby said that they they emphasize the ways that they were alike because that's what people wanted to see. And that's what got them famous right it, it, they obviously derived something from that but that crack researcher who left the united states and ran off and she was the mm-hmm. one who was like wouldn't it be such a bummer to know that you actually have no say over your life and that everything is determined by your genetics but like sorry that's the way it is well it turns out like you might not be onto something there you dumbass right i, I did mean, not like her she seemed like such a bitch well yes and well, I'm, there may have been a reason for that, but, um, well, maybe she is a bitch. I don't know. She seemed like a bitch. <laughs> if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. <laughs> so it might David's, just be a bitch. David's aunt, um, she says that she didn't think that Eddie and his dad had a very good relationship. Yeah. And when pressed further on that, she's like, because he wasn't around when, uh, for most of the family gathered because yeah at some point you just kind of form a big family they would see each other at weddings and whatnot and they're like yeah eddie's dad wasn't really there and he didn't really talk about him and eddie's dad is the only one of the parents that's still alive as far as i can tell yeah seemed like it he seemed like a crooner too man he had like a cool mustache and everything and he was just like yeah it was super sad like when eddie killed himself and like you know it's it he very didn't sad. really look anything like he did in eddie's wedding picture i not it oh he looked completely different yeah i think he's gotten sick or something it's like he he had dentures that didn't fit right anymore yeah it was peculiar he was an odd looking fellow he looked like he was the type who'd be cruising around like mar-lago or something (laughs) he said that eddie didn't really fit in with the family and he didn't discuss his problems with his dad and David, who was earlier described as the more moderate of, of the triplets. He's like, some people just aren't a good fit. And I don't think he blames Eddie's relationship with his dad for his suicide. Um, and if you need to edit out that word, that was at 41 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, no. The, the documentary kind of tried to make it sound like they were placing that blame with his dad. Yeah. I don't think David blames him, but Elliot wonders if there's something that he didn't teach Eddie that he needed to know that, that kept him from being able to cope with everything. Yeah. And later on, David even says, I got a foundation for my parents that helped me struggle or that helped me with my struggle with my demons. So, I, I don't I don't think anybody is going to outright say, oh, this is all Elliot's fault because that no, because Eddie's the one that had the gun. So. Yeah, then they start asking people if, if they think it's nurture versus nature and somebody from David's side said, oh, it's all nurture because that is exactly what I saw because I they because they were identical, even down to the mannerisms. Um. So Lawrence Wright said our genes and environment cause us to drift in a particular direction, but it doesn't cause us to be one person or another. And that's personally the way that I lean. I mean, it can influence you, but ultimately you have choices to make about who you're going to be. David's aunt said that nature and nurture both matter, but nurture can overcome everything. 
Yeah. And to an extent, I don't know if it's everything, but so. So, yeah. You start yeah. off in this documentary, you think it's going to be like kind of just a strange tale and it's going to be kind of goofy and look at these triplets found each other. Good times. And by the end, you're like, fuck, hug your kids, <laughs> hug your baby, it, hug them good. Yeah. And I mean, the people that are responsible for it are dead. Oh, yeah. oh, and the one researcher that um, the, the male researcher um, when asked if he felt any guilt or remorse over taking part of the study. I was like, well, I mean, I didn't design it. He's like, and yeah, I, was I participated only there for a short period it. of time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy who like knew that there were two kids. Who uh, was like, just like you. Look like you, like just like each other down the road from each other. But yeah, dude, like it's not my fault I didn't tell him. It's like, yeah, it is, dude. <laughs> at the end of the day, when you're if you're participating in like some sort of a research study that seems fucked up, it probably it seems fucked up because it's it's fucked up. You gotta hmm. say something. Possibly it's like so many people in the chain of command just being like, oh, I mean, it's kind of fucked up, but like, I don't know. Gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. It's like, no, dude, say something, see something, say something. And I think um, by the math, it seems like the study ended in 1980 because the boys found each other and it hit the news. Right. And they're like, Ugh. so, yeah, at that point, anybody that adopted a kid from Louise Wise and had researchers coming by their house to do IQ tests on their kids. I mean, it, this part hadn't even come out yet, but you'd have to sit there and think, well, they split up those kids. What'd they do to my kids? Right. Yep. Wild. Well, Lisa, yep. we did it. We did and, it. Dude, I really hope that when I accidentally hung up the first half of this, that I didn't actually just hit delete. So I don't know. I'm going to find out as soon as we end this one, if we have to re-record the very beginning. <laughs> Well, let's see. That got up through. It was right yeah. when they went on the uh, the talk shows. Donahue. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking through my notes. <laughs> Ten pages of notes. <laughs> but thanks for doing it. That only got us through the first page. So, or and well, next first page week, front and back. Uh, mm -hmm. Podumentary. Let's cover that Army Hammer shenanigans. Okay, are we doing all three episodes or just Fuck one? Yeah. No, okay. three. We're going all in, baby. All right. All right. Later, boners. Later. <laughs>